Welcome to the Best Self Podcast. This is the show for women who are tired of feeling tired, the sick of the to-do lists and the constant juggling of balls and spinning of plates, and they are ready to start putting themselves first again. Hello and welcome to the Best Self Podcast. It's your host, Nicola Fulstow, and today... Oh, I'm quite excited to get into this one today. Today, we are talking about focus are you struggling to focus? So yesterday, this this idea for this podcast came about because yesterday I was at a networking event with a load of ladies and the topic of conversation it, that kept coming up, it was unbelievable. You couldn't not notice it, was focus and lack of it. People were unable to focus and it was just quite astounding uh, how many people were really suffering with this problem. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to do a podcast about this and hopefully I might be able to help. So here it is. So today's episode is all about if you can't focus, then here are some things to try. So what sort of things were coming up yesterday in conversation? What sort of things were people saying? What does not being able to focus look like? Well, it looks like never really finishing anything or making progress on anything. This feeling that you're going round and around in circles. A lady was saying, you know, every week I keep saying I'm going to work on this thing. And then every week comes and goes and I've just not done anything. And actually I look back on my whole day and I'm like, what have you even done? It can be sort of, (laughs) I'm guilty of this. It can be sort of getting into a room, you know, going into a room and then being like, uh, can't remember why I'm here and rushing about and just almost not feeling like you're focusing on anything. It could be procrastinating, putting things off that you know you really need to do to a point where then you're starting to get closer and closer to the deadlines and then you feel stressed. It can be feeling this constant sense of brain fog and just really not being able to get clarity of thought or take action that is meaningful against anything. So what I was finding in the conversations that were happening yesterday is that the feeling that was really rife in the room was frustration. You know, these women who I was talking to were, you know, really ambitious, really wanted to get on, had tons of creative ideas, but just weren't seeming to achieve anything. And they knew that and were getting really, really mad with themselves. So that's how today's episode has come about. So what are some reasons that could possibly be contributing towards you not being able to focus? Well, firstly, let me tell you, your phone ain't doing you no (laughs) favours when it comes to focus. Honestly, it's so difficult to focus if you've got a phone dinging and beeping at you every five minutes. I personally cannot stand phone notifications on it. I don't have any of my phone notifications turned on when it comes to sound because I find that just the sound stresses me out. That happens on anyone else's phone as well. If I'm having a conversation or a meeting with someone and their phone is going off, I am so distracted by that and it makes me feel a little stressed. (laughs) You know, I'm kind of like the phone's beeping and I'm thinking, you're not, you're not, you're not getting that or (laughs) I can't focus. So first thing is, is that could be an, it could be an issue. It may be 
that you don't particularly like what you're working with. You know, you don't particularly like what you're working on. It's a chore. Yeah, I get it. It may be that you've got a lot of ideas. You know, you've got loads of things you're wanting to do and you kind of start one thing and then you get dead excited and then you start another and then it's like, oh, and it's like magpie syndrome. You know, you just, oh, shiny, shiny thing. Or it may be that you're genuinely multitasking. You've got a lot of tabs open, you know, too many tabs open in your brain um, and that you're doing too much in terms of multitasking and not really doing anything well. It may be something more like, you are anxious about something or you're stressed or you're dealing with a situation in your life. I know that we have personally experienced this at the moment, myself and my husband, and we both had a week the other week and, you know, we sort of looked at each other at the end of the week and we were quite stressed because we hadn't really achieved what we needed to get done. So there was then that feeling of overwhelm because we knew the, this to-do list was piling up and people were waiting on us and, um, you know, this is both in our individual work, but we're both dealing with this same situation that happens to be a personal circumstance at the moment. And, you know, we were both really stressed and we were talking to each other and saying, you know, just struggling to focus. And it was because of the stressful situation that's happening in our lives at the moment that, you know, was, was kind of clouding everything, making us tired. We weren't sleeping well. Um, and that was making it difficult to focus. So it may be something as simple as that. It may be that you have like deficiencies. You're not looking after your body well enough, that you're not sleeping. Um, sleep deprivation is the worst. You know, I still remember, I mean, I still remember the baby days, you know, the newborn baby days where you, you there were days I could not remember how old I was. I couldn't remember. You know, so to focus then on, you know, work or anything like that, it was just laughable. So it could be something like that. And then a lot of what I'm hearing these days, and I don't know, this is probably really controversial, but I'm hearing the word ADHD a lot. And it makes me a little uncomfortable as a parent of a child with additional needs. My eldest child has autism. She was diagnosed at the age of four. She was on the pathway to being diagnosed from age two. And she has a neurological condition from a very young age that means that her brain is wired a little differently from someone neurotypical like myself, or perhaps you listening to this. Um, and when I hear terms like someone may be a bit on the spectrum or someone may have a little bit of ADHD and things like this that are referring to neurological, physical neurological differences that people are born with that are not a choice. They don't just happen when you grow up, that you are born with them. It makes me uncomfortable because I think there's a general lack of understanding about neurological conditions like ADHD, autism, OCD, um, you know, all sorts of things like that. And people are quick to jump on the bandwagon because people like a title. They like to categorize things. They like to name things. And it can make people feel better to have a diagnosis. But what I think is fascinating is that since the pandemic in 2020, 
there has been a 400% increase in the number of adults seeking an ADHD diagnosis. Do you not think that's incredible? I think that is incredible. And it's really got me thinking because I am experiencing this in my life. I am speaking to people daily, daily, who are saying, pretty sure I've got ADHD. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure I've got it. I've recently been diagnosed with ADHD. And whilst I am not questioning that in one way or another, I am not a doctor. I am not an expert in ADHD. I am, I have no qualifications whatsoever to talk about this. I'm just putting it out there. You know, so if you are concerned genuinely that you are suffering from ADHD, you, you 100% need to go and talk to somebody. If you think you are undiagnosed, 100% go and talk to somebody. But I am going to try a different slant today because it is my personal belief, and this comes as an individual, a woman who's got a lot going on, and as a child who has autism, who really, really struggled to talk for years. We had to teach Sienna how to make eye contact. We had to teach her how to wave, how to formulate her mouth to create words. So believe me when I say, I understand what the word focus means. And I understand a child who can either be too focused to the point of obsession or not be able to focus at all. So I really do have a personal understanding of the word focus that has given me some perspective. And I'll tell you my own personal experience. For a long time, I felt like I was in a fog. It probably lasted a good year. I could not focus. I just would come to do one thing and just not be able to even start or remotely finish anything. I wasn't making progress. I couldn't make a decision. I had tons and tons of ideas, but I wasn't executing any of them. I was completely at the same time overwhelmed by what I had to get done. I just wasn't able to perform. And I found myself searching for answers on Google. And ADHD kept coming up. And it was really interesting. So I was going down this route of thinking, do, do I have ADHD? Wow. Okay. So I need to say that if you have been diagnosed with ADHD, I get it. If you are thinking you've got ADHD, I absolutely get it. This is not a podcast about ADHD, believe it or not. But I was looking for answers. I was desperate for answers. I, I needed someone to explain to me why I'd functioned for 40 years and being able to function all this long. And then suddenly I just couldn't focus on anything. And when it came down to it and I was doing this ADHD quiz one day and I thought the questions were just so lax, the screening tool, and it was a professional screening tool. I think it was maybe even the NHS one. But it was like a proper diagnosis, you know, where you, not where you diagnose yourself necessarily, but you go through this process to say, is it likely I have ADHD? And some of the questions were just so ridiculous and didn't relate at all to the children that I knew with ADHD who, who literally couldn't focus. So there were questions like, 
How often do you have difficulty keeping your attention when doing something boring or repetitive? Well, all the time because it's boring. You know, that's just human nature. But I think as I was going through this questionnaire, I thought, do you know, I don't like where this is going because I just wanted to focus, actually. The result I was after was not a diagnosis, was not a label, even though that I need to say as a mother of a child who has neurological, you know, conditions, it's absolutely vital that you get diagnosed, that you get support, that you get therapy and that you work on that 100%. I need you to hear me when I say that. But it's also so important that you don't use it as an excuse or become limited by it. Whereas I believe we have to see in ourselves the potential. And when it comes to focus, I do believe that focus is a skill. And I believe that because of how I've worked on myself, how we've worked with our daughter and the results that have come from that. I like to believe, and like I keep saying, I'm not an expert in any way in any of these areas. I am not a neuroscientist, but there are many studies that I have read and you should read that indicate that your brain is pliable. Your brain can be retrained. It can grow. It can form new connections. It can repair. A book I read years and years ago was called A Stroke of Insight by Jill Bolte Taylor. Fascinating read about a woman. She was a brain scientist and she had a stroke. And while she was having a stroke, the other side of her brain that was still functioning was aware of everything that was going on. So it was almost like she was observing herself having a stroke. And the book is fascinating. And it's all about her journey to repair her brain and what she had to do to relearn and then what became important to her and how it changed her as a person. But there are other things out there, like um, there's a website called Brain Highways. Really amazing if you are concerned about anything to do with yourself or your children or loved ones where you think there may be a neurological condition and you can't quite put your finger on it, but you think that there's something there. I highly recommend a website called brainhighways.com. It's a bunch of neuroscientists and brain experts. And, you know, we have been on that course and have run that therapy with our own daughter. And it's all about how you can develop your brain and how sometimes brains can get stuck at a certain stage. And it's fascinating. And as I've been looking into all this in preparation for this podcast, I came across an article in The Guardian. And the article is by a journalist called Moya Sana. And it was The Guardian. And it was all about um, basically how the demands were lessened on us so much when we were in isolation that then our brain got used to that lesser level of demand. And the problem then coming out of that where people have got back to their lives as they were before is that our brains just haven't quite caught up again yet. A comment made by John Simmons in this article, who's a professor of cognitive neuroscience at the University of Cambridge, said that 
there definitely was an effect of the pandemic on people's cognition. And that there's nothing, I'm going to paraphrase here, but that there's nothing wrong with you. It's a completely normal reaction to a traumatic experience that we've all collectively experienced over the last few years. So it's no surprise that given the fact that we were so isolated, that we're in this very stagnant state where nothing was really moving and life kind of stood still in this really freaky, bizarre way. It's hardly surprising that really attentional deficit following that is the result. So I have to ask myself at this point, when we've seen a 400% increase since 2020 in the number of adults who are seeking an ADHD diagnosis, has the pandemic affected our brains? And are we being diagnosed correctly? And I also think it's important to ask, is there a danger of overdiagnosis here? where people are being then put on drugs that are intended to help people who are clinically diagnosed with ADHD. But these drugs have serious side effects on neurological function. It's fact. So I think that this felt like such an important podcast for me today. As a mother of a child with a neurological condition, as a woman who's had sleep deprivation, hormone problems, thyroid problems, overwhelm, anxiety, hormonal imbalance. I felt it was important to really address the idea of focus and almost to say, give yourself a bit of grace and space before you jump to any conclusions or labels, but also seek help. You know you best. You know your children best. But please do take into account what you have personally experienced over the last few years and look back and think, has focus always been this much of a problem? Has it always been a fight? Has it always been something that teachers commented on, your parents commented on, or is it relatively new? Because that may be a clue. So getting back to the main topic of conversation, which is if you can't focus, what should you do? And this is irrelevant as to whether you do have a diagnosis, you don't have a diagnosis, you're seeking a diagnosis. All of that is without judgment here. You do you. Just as I, and I encourage that with everybody. It's so important you follow your own heart with these things. And I really need to keep repeating I am not an expert. I am not a therapist. I'm not a doctor. I am not an ADH expert. I am not a neuroscientist. None of those things. So you do you. I am simply here today to give you my strategies and what I have personally used to ensure I can bring back my focus and my productivity. So without further ado, I'm on to number one. The first thing I massively believe in is a clear 
physical space to create clear mental space. If you are sitting down to do something in a room that is cluttered, that is busy, that is messy, that is smelly, and it just feels bad, you are not going to, you are not going to be able to focus. You're just not. So take some time to prepare, prepare your space, prepare a place to work, make it look nice, make it feel great and make it conducive to productivity. Number two, I've done various podcasts before about owning your morning. Highly recommend you listen to that one. And also the one on time and willpower. Listen to those two. But it is imperative that you do any kind of work that requires your focus first thing in the morning. I call it eating that frog or establishing your rocks. Doing the important, meaningful, fulfilling work first. Why? Because you start your day with a full battery when it comes to cognition. Hopefully, if you've had a good night's sleep, and that's why I caveat this, you know, if you have got neurological conditions, if you have got hormone imbalance, if you have got mental health problems, you're under an enormous amount of anxiety or stress, maybe you've even got deficiencies like nutritional deficiencies, all of these things physically will make it very difficult for you to focus. And that is something that you need help with. You should seek advice from a doctor and a professional in order to help you through that. But I'm going to assume right now that that's not the case. And that you've had a good night's sleep, you are in good mental and physical health, and you're sitting down to focus on something. After a good night's sleep, you should have a full battery when it comes to your brain power. So it makes sense that you do any creative or any big work first thing in your day. Because that is when you can assign the most focus to it. Always get the big important things out of the way first. First thing in your day, at the beginning of the week, start of the month. Do the big things first. When it comes to sitting down to get working on those big things, turn your distractions off. Go into full-on aeroplane mode. Turn your phone off, turn your laptop off, close all tabs to the point where you cannot be interrupted. As much as you can control it, you can't be interrupted. Tell people you're working on something, you're not to be interrupted. And this goes for work too. You know, if you work in a, in a workplace, in an office around other people and you can never get anything done because you're constantly being interrupted by, by questions or people interrupting you or conversations, tell people, ask people, ask for support and say, I've got something I really, I'm really struggling guys to focus. I'm really struggling with productivity. Can I ask a massive favor for the first two hours of the morning between nine and 11? Can people just not interrupt me unless it's an emergency? We implemented this at Sona because we are a small team and often in the morning, there's a lot of things happening. The phone's going and people were just interrupting each other all the time by, oh, quick question. Oh, quick question. 
But actually, those quick questions sometimes are five-minute conversations. And by the time you go back to what you were doing, you've lost your train of thought. So it's really, really important that you protect your productivity time and ask the people around you for support with that. Most people are pretty supportive when you ask for help and you explain why. So give it a try. But turn off all distractions. Your phone cannot be on. No one can produce anything and focus when they've got ding, 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 ding going off. If you find yourself reaching to check your phone instead of working on the thing that you're meant to be working on, then that is phone addiction. You are addicted to looking at your phone and you need to work on that. And the only way to work on it is to bit by bit keep increasing the amount of time that you do not look at your phone. And that helps by starting to turn it off more. The problem is we've all become addicted to our phones, to technology. We're constantly being distracted all the time. Recently, I've just sort of got on TikTok to check it out. And I became instantly almost repelled by it and could see so quickly as a mum how addictive that app is to the point where I'm looking at it from business perspective and from a marketing perspective and seeing how powerful it is, but from a personal user perspective, seeing how dangerous I think it is because you could literally waste hours on, kids could waste hours on there and I'm sure are wasting hours of their life on there and then wondering why they're feeling so unfulfilled, lacking in productivity, lonely, disconnected because it's not real. And I think we've all got to learn to reclaim the influence that technology is having over our brain space. We're addicted to quick dopamine hits by a quick scroll through social, quick likes here, quick posts there. And it's really easy to get quick dopamine hits, but they're meaningless when it comes to your real life. So start learning to turn your phone off for longer and longer and longer periods. Have periods in the evening or chunks of time in the day where you go tech free. It is liberating. Lastly, if you're finding that you have magpie syndrome and you are constantly full of ideas, there's loads of things you want to do. And when you actually have some time to sit down and work on it, you sort of, oh, what should I work on? Should I work on this? Should I work on that? And that's why you're struggling to focus. Then before you come to sit down, you need to decide on one thing. What is the one thing you want to make progress on? And it needs to have a goal within that. So it could be complete chapter of book or finish such and such a stage of something, or, you know, it needs to have a marker on it of where you're going to get to and assign a chunk of time of it. I suggest if you've been struggling with focus, that to begin with, you assign 30 minutes. And then if you're into it and it's working, move on to an hour. But just have one thing, 
because otherwise what happens is you end up with 20 half done things and a ton of frustration. Just do one thing and do it with your full focus and do that every day for seven days and see how it works for you at the end of the week. And I guarantee you'll be in a better place. I guarantee you will be focusing better than you were. And it may not be perfect. And like I say, if you are genuinely struggling and you don't feel right, then it is imperative that you go and speak to a professional, a doctor, a nutritionist, whatever professional you feel like you need to seek. Because honestly, hormones, sleep deprivation, nutritional deficiencies, anxiety and stress, and of course, any neurological disorder will affect your ability to focus. But at the same time, please don't jump to the conclusion that there is something wrong with you and you are unable to focus, that you have not got it in you to focus. Because if that's what you're telling yourself every day, if you are saying, I can't focus, I'm incapable of focus, I'm unable to focus, then you absolutely won't be able to focus. Whereas if you start retraining your brain and telling yourself, I'm going to work on my focus. I'm going to try and improve my focus. I believe I can focus. And if you focused before, you will be able to focus again. Thank you so much for listening to the Best Self Podcast today. I hope you've enjoyed the show. If so, be sure to subscribe and you would also massively be helping a girl out if you would rate and review the podcast today. I would love to know what you thought. Be sure to follow us on social media at The Best Self Project and I will catch you on the next episode. Thanks for listening.